With two major ServiceNow family releases per year, it's important to have a playbook when it comes to upgrades. In this episode, we've got not one, but two subject matter experts who have certainly seen their share of upgrades and share their insights. Welcome to Breakpoint, the ServiceNow Developer Podcast. Hello, ServiceNow admins, builders, developers, and all of you curious individuals that I always say with the utmost love and respect, welcome to or welcome back to Breakpoint, the ServiceNow Developer Podcast, where we bring you the latest tools, tips, and tradecraft to accelerate your career. That still sounds very markety to me, but we're going to go with it. As always, I'm joined by my lovely, smart teammate and ServiceNow developer advocate, Lauren McManaman. How are you today, Lauren? I am doing absolutely fantastic. How about yourself? Off to a good start as usual, and oh, so excited to talk to our two guests today. We've got the pleasure of talking to Jace Benson and Corey C.J. Wesley, both of whom have had many, many years of experience on ServiceNow. How are you today, gentlemen? Yeah, Chuck, I'm great today. Uh, it's, been a, it's been a great year for me, and it's a great, been a great day. Today is nice. It's like 90 degrees in Minneapolis. Not very many of those. Y'all want to trade? It's 105 in Texas. <laughs> Ooh. That's about 90 today here, too, in, uh, in, in uh, Oak Park, just outside of Chicago. So None of too- this will be relevant by the time the show airs. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> 105 will be a pleasant, distant memory as it's 110. <laughs> well, Jace, you've been on the show before, right? I have once, I think. Yeah, that's what I think. I, I give, the, give the listener a quick intro. I'm Jay Spenson. I've been working on ServiceNow since 2007. I serve as Service Catalog. It's still my main love in ServiceNow. Um, I've dabbled in a lot of parts of ServiceNow, and I'm still learning stuff all the time. Most recently, HR. And never-ending learning journey, isn't it? Oh, my goodness. You're, you're not wrong. Yeah, HR is its own creature. I, I don't know if I like it or dislike it still, but it's, uh, <laughs> it's something to tame. Awesome. CJ. Yo, hey Chuck. Uh, this I'm a first timer actually. It's my first time on the show, and uh, so I've been in, involved in service now for about ten years or so. Started on the customer side. Um, my favorite part of the platform is the platform, right? It's the limitless possibilities of the platform, um, and that's really what's kept me going all these years is being able to find new things and new, uh, you know, kind of new abilities to um, to show people and showcase. Um, so yeah, that's me. All right, away from the work. What do you enjoy doing, Jace? You know, I, I have uh, two small kids, nine and seven years old. And we're we're always doing something. Um, so it's it's fun to, to watch them learn and explore and figure out their environments. And as much as I dislike these newfangled games with in-app purchases, it's fun <laughs> to play with them. <laughs> um. Have you introduced them to coding yet? I haven't. I, I got them computers over COVID, but they really like their tablets. So I think if I'm going to have to introduce them to coding, they'll have to like do it with Scratch or some visual type of coding thing where they get some sort of benefit from it. Absolutely. Uh, CJ, what's your gig when you're not doing the work? Oh, man. So uh, two two small kids as well, 13 and 12. Um, and you know, we, we kind of hang out a lot and, and do a lot together, uh, especially um, my son. Uh, we play a lot of video games. And uh, with my daughter, who, have, who ha- I have actually introduced to coding through SQL, uh, which to me is like the best programming language to start with because it's so logical. 
<laughs> we now have sarcasm. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, seriously, right? Like you think about it. You mean like SQL? Yeah. Yeah, SQL. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. That is not my first choice for a first choice. Really? <laughs> like, think about it. Like, you know, when you want to get something from a database, it's select the thing from the place where these things happen, right? It's pretty visual. I understand what you're <laughs> saying. It's a pretty visual way of per- like perceiving code. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. and I mean, issues grabbed it pretty easily, too. It's a good skill. Don't get me wrong. I just wouldn't <laughs> start there. <laughs> Well, I mean, I didn't start there and I always avoid it because I didn't start there. So maybe it's a huge service. Hmm. Setting up the next generation with good, good foundations. But speaking of foundations, like that segue, let's talk about the good old days, quote unquote, of starting your journeys in service now. Obviously, the context of this conversation today is specifically about upgrades. So back in the the early 2000s-ish, how were these types of upgrades handled on the platform? I think that one's for you, Jace. You're the old man. Yeah, you've been around the longest. (laughs) (laughs) My first memory of upgrades I want to say it just got automatically applied unless your instance was pinned, which isn't a thing anymore. And that meant to like not upgrade the instance. Like you just, it happened on a specific date and you just dealt with it after the fact, but I wasn't developing back when that was the case. They used to be like three times a year. Yeah. I forget what the exact interval was, but it was summer, winter, spring, fall. And, and that was all fine until we started having Australian customers. Yeah. <laughs> why are you releasing the summer release in July? Is that why the name changed? Yeah, that was, that was the primary reason. And then for a, a release or two, it was like, here's June 2010. Like, oh, okay, that makes more sense. Then we got creative and went to Aspen Berlin Calgary yeah. stuff. That's an interesting origin story. <laughs> it was random about when it would come out. It, 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 once we broke that three times a year cycle, it was it was five months and it was 10 months. And like the time between Istanbul and Jakarta was not the same between Jakarta and Kingston. It yeah. wasn't until about Kingston we said, all right, twice a year. That's it. March for the general availability, September for the, uh, for the uh, general availability. And we've been on that clock cycle pretty regularly for what, about the last five years, six years. That sounds about right. It's nice to be able to reliably count on the releases in those, like in that interval. Sure makes six months feel short though, doesn't it? I was like, didn't we just do this like two weeks ago? <laughs> no, no kidding. Well, when you mix in patches and up and, uh, and those things and fixes. You know, I'll, I'll tell you, I, I, when I started, um, you know, the thing that, that always came to mind for me is like up, upgrades were like Christmas morning. Right, because the new it was new functionality. So uh, we went from I started when we were, um when Berlin was the latest release, right? And then you go to Calgary, right? And then you go to everything after that, and all those new features would show up, and you know, and I'm on the customer side, yep. so I'm just I'm just giddy with what can I play with, like how can I use this to change like internal processes or make something better, or you know, what can I evangelize to the business next, right? So all of it for me was like just Christmas morning, but um. Uh, my cousin uh, used to have an expression say it's also like waiting on Christmas, right? Like, you know how Christmas, when you're waiting on it, it feels like it's never going to get here. And I felt like that sometimes <laughs> with the upgrades too. 
No, I, I still feel like Christmas morning these days. We're we're boning up on what's coming for Vancouver. I'm like, oh, that's really right? nice. Oh, I want to I want to use this. Sometimes it's a bit like walking through the the home DIY store, and you don't know what your project is until you see something. Yes, or or you just you want to buy it and go. I'll make a project for that. <laughs> yeah. Right. No, absolutely. Right. Like, you know, it's for me, it's just always like, what, what new thing is ServiceNow going to drop? And then how can I use this in ways that they didn't intend? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's the key in the ways they didn't intend. So with these upgrades, obviously, Jace, you said in the early days, like, here's your upgrade, whether you ask for it or not, that's practically conceivable these days. But what, what other challenges were there in the old days? I mean, there wasn't the um, the concept of like locking an upgrade. So like you could be applying update sets at the same time as an upgrade happening, right? <laughs> like that whole pinning, that locking mechanism didn't used to exist. And I know that- And neither did scopes either. So nothing was scoped. Everything was in the global pool. Right. I, I mean, I want to mix this with update sets and stuff, but like I remember one of the first projects I worked on, they gathered like- a thousand updates in a single update set and it broke the update sets Ooh, because like you couldn't handle over like 700 or something which was a weird arbitrary number to me but like i i imagine there might have been similar things for the upgrade processes wasn't there also a change in what was actually being done during an upgrade like were there like wasn't was didn't the the mechanism predate like what was being skipped and what was being done or am I am I misreporting? <laughs> well, I know there were a lot of backend changes to make the upgrades faster. That was always a big complaint in the early days, especially if you had something like a new column added to the task table. Oh my God, that would take forever to do that table alter. Right. Going back to your SQL statements. Uh, they've made that more efficient to not, uh, they grouped them all together. So it was done as one table alter. Instead of this plugin needs one there and this plugin needs one there, it's using the same table. Why are we doing this alter three, four, five times right. in a row, slowing things down? So there's been a there's been a always been a focus on how can we make not just the physical upgrade of load the software, update your instance faster, but also the process of reviewing what's been skipped, reporting what's important. Uh, making those changes, merging those changes, all of that, because customers aren't going to move to the latest release. If it takes six months and we're releasing every six months, you're never going to catch up. Some customers were saying it takes us 12, 16 weeks to do our upgrade cycle. How can we get that down to six, four, two? And and in many cases we have. Yeah. I, I typically advise my customers now, right? Like we can do it in a month. Uh, so we can do it in four weeks. Uh, all of my plans kind of like center around like a four week process. And and we often can end up doing it quicker because a lot of that initial four weeks is identifying stakeholders, right? Identifying the, the parts of the process right. and who's going to play that part. Um, but, you know, once that's done, right, it's really just about doing the thing. You get you get the dev environment, you upgrade it to the latest version, right? You're going to do a clone down and make sure everything is good. And you get in there, you start testing, right? You see what breaks, see what doesn't. And, and keep it moving, right? Like you just gotta, you just gotta make it part of the process. Is what I've found. Considering that you're you've moved to a one month long upgrade time, are there any specific tools now that weren't available then that you've used to kind of implement that new time frame? 
Yeah, absolutely. Right. Like instant scan, I think, is uh, one of the keys um, to ensuring that everything that after we've done everything that is still that, you know, that the instance is in the place that we want it to be and that uh, any drift um, that's encountered after the upgrade is um, is documented and, and can go back through the process. Right. So that we can uh, we can improve the process and improve the instance over time. Um, you know, the two things that, you know, we always want to do is identify those those objects and those items. Right. That are that aren't um, that aren't working in the same way as they were previous to the update. Right. And then so but actually extended upon that is also incumbent to run instant scan like before an update is even available. Right. Because you want to yes. know how that instance is going to perform. Right. Like how you know, what's your baseline? essentially, right? Like, and you can't actually compare anything unless you have a baseline. So you got to use instant scan to, on a continuous um, kind of basis. Right. Cause it's so easy to go, Oh, we upgraded and this thing broke. Well, did it work before the upgrade? Yes. That- and I've encountered that, right? Like I, I have I've- too. Like, no, 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 no. Don't be throwing stones in my direction. <laughs> yeah. And I've had to go back through like a, um, like an old instance. Cause we'd keep like an archive one off to the side. Right. And be like, no, see, over here, it doesn't work either. <laughs> but we gotta be careful. If you don't have that archive instance, you can't prove that, and then you're backpedaling. Yeah, right. absolutely. But to have ATF and instant scan results prior to the upgrade certainly helps mitigate a lot of that. Yeah, and definitely. Yeah, benchmark. But oh, do you guys remember when when you'd want to modify something that was out of the box the policy was hey make a copy of it then deactivate the original and use your copy and we thought that was a great idea until people came to us and said i'm not seeing any of this new functionality you released in helsinki or whatever it is and we're well that's because you're using your own copy fool (laughs) (laughs) right and and then you're like but you told me to (laughs) yeah so if you if you do need to, and we you know this is one of those high risk things. If you do need to modify something that comes out of the box, whether it's a script include or a flow or whatever, it will be flagged on your upgrade as a skipped change because you modified it. Now you've got the option of analyzing it, merging it, maybe accepting the new one over your old one. So you've got that logic. So that's that's the current thinking, or at least yeah. the latest thinking I've heard. It's, yeah, and that's much better. It's the most helpful when you when you customize it to put a comment to your future self or coworkers as to why this change happened, like why you're customizing this. Yeah, reference a story that you know caused this, or give your give your future self or your successors a breadcrumb, something to chew on, and go. Yeah, it's it, 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 rather than some of my old comments to say, "Don't touch this. It works, and I don't know why." <laughs> Oh, I've got Beer a few of those. <laughs> it's like, yeah, this code looks like it should not work, and but it is, and so I'm leaving it alone. <laughs> yeah, no, there, there's a there's a lot of this, right? Like, um, especially um, early in the early days, ServiceNow was um, introducing functionality so quickly that you would need something, and so you'd build it, but you'd know that what you're building was coming in a later release, right? And so you document, uh, you, you flag your um your build, like, hey. This is only going to be in use until whatever version when ServiceNow introduces their own functionality that does this thing, right? And so, yeah. you know, there was a lot of a lot of that too um, in terms of copying and deactivating. Oh, I remember we built a demand management intake at least six to twelve months before we knew it was coming, and the customer said we need to build it anyway. So we built a very simplified version, and then said, "All right, you know, you're going to have a migration policy." 
they go, yep, yep, we're aware. So as long as people are aware of that, then there's nothing wrong. And, and when the new one comes out from ServiceNow, you always have the option of staying where you are. Yeah, that's true too. That's true too. Just not for six years, like I've seen with some clients. <laughs> six? You'd be nice. <laughs> People like their tools, right? They like things the way that they work. They don't like change. Unless you give them a reason, a good reason. And an assistance, right? Assistance to do it. Right is what I found out as as well when it comes to change. Right, you got they got to have a good reason, and you got to give them give them a nice glide path, right? And if yep. you do if you do both of those things, then right. it becomes a little easier. Well, we've also got technologies. We we're talking about ATF and Instant Scan. There's a new Upgrade Center. I, I say new. I think it's been around since 2018. All things are relative, and and we've got an upgrade checklist on the docks uh, that that didn't exist when I was a kid. So it's nice to have these things available for for newer customers, obviously for existing customers as well, who may not have theirs or want to compare their checklist against our checklist. Much, much easier, much, much simpler today than it was even, say, six, seven years ago. Uh, yeah, Chuck, these aren't even just like for newer customers, right? These are for old guys like me too, right? Like you're kind of giving away the game a little bit, but you know, ServiceNow is has, so, uh, has a wealth of information out there to kind of help bootstrap your own kind of like personal best practices that you use with your clients. Right. And I'm always consuming that and I'm always using it to augment what I'm, what I'm, um, you know, what I'm helping my clients through. So it, it's, it's good for everyone in instance, can ATF, especially up, upgrade yeah. checklist. I really love that. Thing. Uh, a single list to go off of definitely makes a difference. It's like a plan that you can share. Right. And if you have, if everybody has a plan, they know what to expect. You, you know, as techs, we often, um, we, we, we often devalue these sort of things, right? These, the sort of off-platform stuff, right? Like communication, uh, checklists, plans, you know, um, regiments, the whole nine yards, right? Like we're often like, no, we just build something better. It's like, yeah, but we're still dealing with people, right? And people need communication, right? So we got to do all that stuff too. Are there any particular products that require, at least in the past, more communication or more attention than others, just given your backgrounds? Oh my God. And so um, people listening at home won't be able to see my face here, but change management. I did like a, a really deep <laughs> breath here. <laughs> um, change management is is the one because I have yet to encounter anyone who has like a standard out of the box change management process, right? And so any kind of deviation Every upgrade is always, all right, let's go back and check the change management process and let's check it hard, right? Like <laughs> Because there are like five different tracks. There's eight different things. There are loops in there for approvals because nobody wants to action an approval, right? So you got to, you know, remind them seven times in a day and, you know, it's all this stuff you got to, so you got to go back and you got to check all of that stuff and you got some, some of it you have to run in real time. And also statistically, like ITSM is usually the first product people buy. So it started off their entire ServiceNow journey, maybe even predating some sort of system organization that they had before, you know, learning from mistakes. Yeah. And that coupled, you know, since it's the first thing, it's probably not the most mature process or the, the implementation process isn't that mature yet. So that the, the, we've all had the case where, you know, you don't want to look at the first things you did in any language because it's usually the ugliest and kind of embarrassing. Oh, my God. But uh, never really have the time to go back and fix it right. 
Yeah, that, I mean that's really that's really key, right? Too, if you don't have um, if you don't have time to do it right now, you're never going to have time to go back and fix it, right? So, oh, amen. I think you and and Rob have talked about that numerous times. Yeah, it's 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 one of the things that I really try to focus on. Let's do it right now. Let's just you know bank the time now and not not bank not try to bank it later because we're never going to find it because new features, right? Christmas. <laughs> a temporary fix that works good enough becomes permanent. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I like that, Jace. Uh, Jace, what about you? Any any features that you spend time on upgrades? Anything that's got the most customization around it. Like I it's if there's a bunch of custom code around it, it just takes a lot longer. I, I agree with Corey. Change management's a huge, a huge problem when it comes to upgrades everywhere. But that's I think pretty standard. But I mean if you got somebody who's just doing custom stuff in a custom place that's not their own application, like you're going to spend a lot of time debugging and reworking that. Yeah. Quick shout out to our, our recent episode concerning customization versus configuration. <laughs> <laughs> the eternal question. <laughs> the eternal struggle. Oh, we've got a webinar coming up at the end of September on that too. Inside every man, there are two wolves, one to customize and one to, which will you feed? <laughs> <laughs> so I want to know, have you run into a situation where the upgrade went awry? This is kind of a loaded question. You're just like, we all know the answer. Uh, and, and if so, what did you do? Yeah. So for me, it's always around the upgrades that upgrade the UI. And those, those are the ones that always... Um, go awry and that's because it changes what the user experiences and it's for me like the the worst one was the very first my very first ui upgrade in service now and i can't remember what version of the ui it was but well if you if you went from calgary it was probably the ui 14 or 15 or one of those that sound that sounds about right that that area sounds about right of when it was when and you it had was the a, little flyouts from the side yeah that <laughs> 15. Oh, man those are, i remember hearing about those flyouts forever and the split screen that was lost yeah and all of that just changed how things were right like and so many people at that point we had gotten significant buy-in internally right like people really liked the platform and then but then um the upgrade came and it changed how it all looked and and I was new. I didn't do my sufficient due diligence to know that there was a UI change coming. And so come Monday morning, I got called into my boss's office. He's like, what is this? <laughs> He's like, and I'm like, oh, was like, all right. So um, about that. <laughs> so that was an interesting week, right? So we I had think to that was to- the first and last time we forced a UI upgrade and made it elective. <laughs> Yeah. And so from then on, like the first thing I'd always check what an upgrade is, will it change the UI? Right. Like that would, that's first thing on my, on my checklist. Will it change the UI? And if so, now it's got to go through change management. Well, public perception is huge. I mean, think about every time and they don't do this that often, but Facebook used to change things around. You go, where is it? I used yeah. to be able to create an event. Now I can't just, like, just the frustration of trying to find what you were familiar with. And there's obviously more public people, you know, you've got more end users out there than there are IT people. The IT people generally go, yeah, I'll get used to it. Sometimes they're bigger complainers, but. Yeah, mine were. <laughs> you got you to work with the majority here and understand who the audience is and who it impacts. Yeah, you know, the funny thing about it was, right, like my end users were um, not really um, big complainers around ServiceNow because it enabled so much functionality that they didn't have before. But IT hated it. 
right? Because they had to do tickets, right? They had to action tickets. They had to be more organized. They actually had to talk to people, right? It was all of this stuff that they never really wanted to do. All they wanted to do, I have, you know, all of my, all of my IT guys were all just sysadmins, right? They just wanted to go sit in the data center. <laughs> we're all laughing because it's true. We've all been there. Yeah. You want to put a process on how I just fix something? Come right. on. I have what's called job security because no one knows how I do my job. <laughs> well, it's just going to slow me down. <laughs> yes. Before I worked in tech, I thought I wanted to not work with people. Then I got a job in tech and I found out that working in tech actually is working with people. Amen. Uh, Jace, any surprises that you've encountered with upgrades? I know that I've had them, but I can't remember them. You know, I think it's like, I think it's like raising a kid, you know? You have problems and you don't remember all the problems raising the kid and you have new problems. So I just rem remember the most recent problems of things, you know? He just equated upgrades with parenting, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Never had that before. Never thought about it that way. <laughs> I mean, like an upgrade, like you're always going to have to deal with some problem, right? But it's, it's, all you, it's, all, it's all about managing expectations when it comes to those users. There you go. So like if they change the UI, like Corey brought up, yeah, like if you get ahead of it, it's much better. If they expect it to be the same though, well, now you're backpedaling again and that's never a good place to be. And of course, the way to mitigate those surprises is do your diligence beforehand. You upgrade a sandbox instance or your one of your sub prods and you do that research and you read the release notes and, 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 you know, go through that checklist yeah. so that you know what to expect and then you can communicate Hey, we've got an option for a new UI. You're really going to like it because it makes bookmarks so much easier to manage. Or, you know, just you, you put your pitch together rather than surprise. And they go, where are my bookmarks? I live and die by my bookmarks. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. I forgot yeah. to tell you. What, I mean, there used to be a success center. I think there still is success center page mm -hmm. on the ServiceNow's website, which had a lot of those resources about planning your upgrade and communicating that with the stakeholders and scheduling it out. Like, I think that is a, a super useful, or at least it was a super useful tool when managing these things. When it comes to the overall, I think we kind of teased earlier that, Corey, one of your goals is to keep upgrade cycle times to about a month. Is that a reasonable goal for most people, or would you suggest something else? This question is aimed at both of you. Oh, I'll, I'll start. Yeah. Um, so, yes, I think it's reasonable um, for most companies that aren't insanely complex, right? Like I, I think, you know, I'd say, I call it a month plus or minus two weeks, right? I mm. think you can, you can get an up, upgrade done. Um, you know, I, I've had a little bit, I've had some complicated um, customers, one who was going through like a divesture, another one's doing, going through a merger. We kind of bumped that out to six weeks to account for some of those kind of weirdness, uh, weird items around that. But I think if you communicate it well, if everyone knows the part that they play, Right. And if everyone is um, is practiced at, at doing it, you can get through an upgrade relatively quickly. Right. Um, assuming that you're using all the other tools that we've talked about, like, you know, instant scan and ATF and those sorts of things as well. Right. But uh, a lot of it does come down to the human aspect of documentation, um, testing, you know, be, practicing all of those sorts of things, you know, communication, communication, communication. And we had a discussion earlier, Corey, about um, upgrading the upgrade process itself. Yes. Yeah. 
Yeah, because it always changes, right? Like you're always going to find something new that works better or or maybe didn't work as well as you thought it would. And you might need to scratch it. Maybe sometimes you get to a point, well, we don't need steps three through five anymore, right? Because those things have been compensated for by service now, you know, during their part of the upgrade process. So we can just move that out and we can reduce the process or, you know, ServiceNow has changed the process. And so we need to account for that. And so we need to introduce a couple more things or, um, but uh, one of the real um, <clears throat> things that I've always noticed is building a broad and diverse team works really, really well when it comes to upgrades, right? Because it can't just be the folks who own the platform. It's got to be the folks who consume the platform as well. Good point. Very astute point. Yeah, you definitely need those stakeholders. I I find that the most time spent on these upgrades is definitely getting that that sign off from them. So does that factor into your estimated time frame? So we've got we've got Jay's or excuse me, we we have CJ's. What is yours? I generally see these upgrades last around two months at most places that I've worked the last decade. Mm. But a lot of that comes down to how much time you give those stakeholders to test and verify that things work the way that they need to work. Is that is that like play into the mythical man month thing? The more players you have on the team, the longer it's going to take. It's not a linear thing. Oh, definitely. Okay. Definitely. I think. I mean, you can still like push, but like in my two jobs ago, I, I remember doing an upgrade and it was all about just keeping on top of those folks that didn't want to test, that weren't advocates of the platform. Like, hey, this is going to change whether you like it or not. <laughs> Either you can get ahead of it or you can yell at me afterwards. Yes. Or you can be an advocate of it and then help me fix it before it goes up. Based on the fact that your estimate was about twice CJ's, how how can we make that shorter? Two months and, mm. and, and one month is a considerable difference. I, I think it comes down to, again, expectations, right? It could probably be less time if those teams were more dedicated to this one okay. tool, right? But as soon as you have like, I don't know, fulfillment working out of like three tools to do their job, like if they're responsible to test ServiceNow and maybe some other unnamed tool and another one, like how much of the time do they want to spend working sure. on this? That'd be a great proponent for ATF, right? That could reduce that time for them if that gave them the confidence. Yeah, and then, and for me, I think another one, another one of the ways that I've been able to re, um, to advocate for reducing the time is is one of the off book methods that I do. And it's just empowering the folks who own the platform to enforce the timeline, right? Like you have to give them, um, you have to work this thing through management and say, hey, like you said, Jace, this thing is coming whether you like it or not. Like this is your opportunity to be part of the buy-in, to be part of the process, to test your part of this, to ensure that it's going to continue to work, but we're doing it <laughs> yep. right. And giving and empowering the, the, the owners of the ServiceNow platform internally to be able to make that statement to the stakeholders and for them to then be like, okay, well, then I need to come to the table, right. That helps reduce the timeline as well. So I'm not going to pretend everything is rainbows and unicorns here. There are some times when you do an upgrade and you find a critical problem. Jace, what do you do when you find something seriously wrong with the upgrade or the upgrade process? I mean, if there's a, a showstopper, like this can't go up in the state yeah. that it's in, like you either, you know, you, you get to work and you figure out a way around it, either by figuring out there's a way to configure it differently or building a process around it or mitigate or pushing the change back and working with the vendor to get it resolved. Yeah, what do you do when it turns out to be a ServiceNow issue? 
if it turns to be a service out issue, a lot of times you can in interim put a band-aid in to fix mm-hmm. it, right? But obviously that's a very temporary solution and a temporary solution that cannot become permanent. Document, document, document. Right. Or make a task for yourself in the future mm-hmm. to handle it. Like add a story to the next sprint. Oh, hey, we're gonna remove this or whatever sprint that happens Good point. to be. Yeah, and and make that make the um, you know, what happens if this thing goes sideways part of your documentation. Mm-hmm. Right. Like that's you should have already planned for that. You should have already rehearsed it to a certain degree. Right. Like at what point do you call service now? At what point do you call this thing off and roll it back? At work at what point do you say, okay, uh, time to get the work on coding around this problem? Right. Like have those um have those conversations before you do this, right? As part of your yeah. upgrade plan, so that you know that when you get in in, in the mess, right? Like you have an out, right? Like you know, you already know what the outs are. Right. And so you're not making it up on the fly when everyone's kind of like sweating. No, that's a good point. Your upgrade yeah. plan should have contingency plans within it. I I didn't even think of that. It's usually like, how do we get from A to Z? Not we get to J and we'll never get to Z on this particular release. So what's our out? What's our rollback policy? It's a good plan. Yeah. yeah I, I don't know if this was an upgrade specifically, but I know that upgrades at some places have taken a lot longer. And in some of those cases performance is seriously degraded, right? And they went to offline processes during that time. I'm not recommending that's a good way to go, but like that's an option, but you have to have those offline processes in place for that to even be an option on the table. Yeah, that that's that's really that's that's really interesting. I've never had one have to go to offline processes. That would be Oh man, I'd be sweating. <laughs> that, that would be a real contingency plan. <laughs> right? real that would be a code red in my contingency plans. But it's good yeah. to have a code red just in case. You never know. Because you know, most of us are remote now, you know, um, post-pandemic. So I can I can imagine that this is the time when folks are starting to think, cut a plane ticket and fly to headquarters, right? <laughs> <laughs> Well, we've talked a lot about the kind of historical aspect of upgrades and utilizing this like inherent, you know, backlog of knowledge, right? I would like to kind of pivot this conversation a bit and focus on maybe first timers, right? Like I've I've been called in to teach some introductory concepts for ServiceNow implementations and ServiceNow users. And one of mine that's gotten a lot of uh like thumbs up has been the analogy of comparing upgrades uh, for scoped apps to the concepts of apartments and houses, right? It's always like, oh, you know, why should we use scopes? Well, if you use scopes, it's kind of like having an apartment. If you are, you can come in, you can move in all of your furniture, you can decorate, but you're not necessarily going to blow out walls. If you want to blow out walls, your apartment manager is going to have a lot of problems the next time they have a new tenant, right? Versus building a house from scratch. You own the house, you own the scope, you can build the whole thing, but it's completely up to you. That's how I kind of compare ServiceNow's out-of-box apps like ITSM to something completely customized. Is there any type of analogy or advice that you would have for maybe new developers or admins listening to this conversation? Yeah, for me, it's... um, I say IT, but it's the the ServiceNow ownership group. Like those folks can't be the only folks who are charged with this process, right? Like so, broaden the scope. You need you need to make sure you're bringing in stakeholders. You need to bring, make sure you're bringing in end users. You need to make sure that everyone who uses the system is represented in any kind of testing and upgrade planning that you're doing. 
right? Like you can't, that team can be too large, but it can also be too small too, right? Like it, it cannot be uh, homogenous. So you got to get some folks in, make, build a real broad and diverse team. So everyone who's touching the platform daily is represented um, when you're running those tests. So yeah, make sure you do that, right? I think as, um, as, as tech folks, we're often, um, we're often very much locked in on the mechanics of doing the upgrade and not so much about, you know, how folks use the system. So let's get those folks in there so that they can give us that feedback. Similar mindset to the original product selection and implementation. You got to have that buy-in. Absolutely. How about you, Jace? What's your advice for newbies? You'll be tempted to save time on releases by trying to do more than one, one upgrade at a time, but that's, that's a fool's game. I've been bitten by that, and I know that's harder now with the N plus one mm-hmm. release schedule pool. But uh, if you skip a release, things don't always happen the way that ServiceNow plans it. I don't think they're testing for people skipping releases. And then you become de facto testers <laughs> of like what happens when you skip a release. Um, so just don't do it. The same we said for about taking an upgrade early. You might want to wait until patch two or patch one, hotfix two or something. Yeah, that comes down to risk management as well. I mean, when I was younger, there was a time when I wanted the latest and greatest and even beta or even alpha releases of something. I've gotten a little older and a little more patient, a little more risk averse to doing that. So it's it's up to each organization to decide what their opportunity is. I'm going to throw one in of my own and I'm going to say, follow that process. Make sure you've got your upgrade plan documented, follow it, do that subprod instance first and test, test, test with all the people around the organization who will be using it. Even if they've never logged into a dev or a UAT instance before, make sure they get on there, get on the plan so that you have confidence when it eventually rolls out to production. You can have a celebration rather than an, oh my God moment. Yeah. Oh my God. That, that we should, that should be like a metric. Oh my God moments. Or, or is it a WTF moment? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, OMG could measure something both ways. Right. So you yeah. That was careful. a little ambiguous. <laughs> it's like a net promoter score. Is it positive or is it negative? <laughs> Why not both? Right. Why not both? Oh, gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us today. But before we go, let's leave the listener with a little bit of contact information. How can they find you, Jace? Uh, I've got the site news.jace.pro where I aggregate all of ServiceNow's news every hour. And then I've got the uh, the YouTube channel, Jace Now, where I'm doing stuff every two weeks now. So that's fantastic. Other than that, feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn. Perfect. CJ? LinkedIn is by far the best way to get a hold of me. Um, it is probably the my favorite social media site when it comes to um, all things service now or, or as it comes down to my like professional networks and things of that nature, right? So I'm just Corey, um, Corey Wesley on LinkedIn or Corey CJ Wesley, I think is what I've updated it to. Um, yeah, find me there. Send me a message. Send me a, a you know, a, a connection request. I pretty much accept everybody. So very cool. Thank you. Thank you. I will have links in the show notes as always. And thank you, wonderful listener, for joining us today. Don't forget, you can always find this and other ServiceNow podcasts 
over at servicenow.com slash community under the events menu or go to devlink.sn slash podcasts. You can subscribe to this or any of them. Get them automatically delivered to you for free. Find them wherever you find all your popular podcasts. Breakpoint is brought to you by ServiceNow. Executive producers are me and Lauren right there smiling at you. Well, (laughs) if you're listening, you can imagine her smiling. Video and captions are by Earl Duque. And to find out more about the ServiceNow developer program, we invite you to head over to developer.servicenow.com. Again, thank you so much, Jace and CJ, for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Shot and Lauren. Appreciate it. I'm glad to be here, too. Please let us know what you think about this podcast. You can leave feedback or ask questions in the ServiceNow community. For more great information on ServiceNow development, check out the ServiceNow developer portal at developer.servicenow.com. Thanks for listening. What do you got? Nothing. Not not useful to the session at hand. Dang, this is boring. Yeah. Right? Am I sounding weird? I hear you. Camera's optional if you want. Well, I turned it off when I was moving it. So you guys weren't like looking down my legs. I don't know if that's going to make it in the outtakes or not. But it was just damn funny. As a, as a standalone clip. Why was it, I, I was just going to say, shoot me. Yeah, I love that. Go for it. Go with it. Little insight to Lauren's dark sense of humor. I agree with you. So have you... Let's <laughs> try that again. <laughs> they don't all come out like silk, okay? It was like a razzle-dazzle-frazzle kind of moment, right? I feel like I just made it a big mess. I don't blame you. There's room for improvement. Came out better than I thought. Yeah, it was good. Yeah. I only wrote it like 10 minutes ago. Shoot me.